Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight the incredible thought leaders and personalities in our community and discover who they are at home, at work, and in between. You can find all of our podcast episodes on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and iHeartRadio. Thank you so much for joining the Early Career Professionals Affinity Group, ECPAG, on Diverse, a sweet podcast. The ECPAG was founded in 2021 as a way to address the gap from collegiate to professional SWE and equip individuals with the support, resources, and inclusive community to excel in the first 10 years of their career. By providing a forum for networking, professional development, and opportunities to promote diversity of thought, the ECPAG aims to empower early career professionals to succeed professionally and personally. Collegiate seniors, graduate students, and individuals in the first 10 years of their career are encouraged to join. Today, we are celebrating not only the ECPAG Spotlight Month, but also National Mentoring Month, an annual celebration originally established by Mentor in 2002 to advocate for mentorship and educate on its benefits and positive effects that it can have on an individual. And we are so excited to chat today about all things mentoring. By way of introduction, my name is Mahadi Vavilala. I'm a procurement analytics consultant at Insight Sourcing Group, a boutique management consulting firm based in Atlanta and have been in the supply chain and procurement consulting space for about four years. I'm also a founding co-lead of the Society of Women Engineers Early Career Professionals Affinity Group, and I've been involved with SWE since my time at Georgia Tech and have served in a number of leadership roles in my collegiate and local sections before becoming co-lead of the ECPAG. And today I'm excited to be joined by MP Delisle and Amber Kreisman. MP? Hello, everyone. I'm Marie-Pierre Delisle. I go by MP. I am a PhD candidate at the University of California, Los Angeles, where I'm a coastal engineer studying the effects of sea level rise on coastal flooding behaviors and magnitudes. I'll be graduating in the next few months, but I plan on staying in the world of academia and research. SWE has been such a vital part of my graduate school experience, and I'm excited to be a co-lead of the ECPAG this year with Mahadi, following in the footsteps of our previous co-lead, Amber, who I'll pass it along to. Amber? Thanks, MP. Hi, everyone. I'm Amber Kreisman. I am a senior manager in the program management office within Raytheon Intelligence and Space, a business within the aerospace and defense company Raytheon Technologies. I'm thrilled to be with you all today. I have such a heart for the Society of Women Engineers, all the way back as a collegian at the University of Tennessee, and most recently, the co-lead elect for the Career Stages Affinity Group. So I just get to help support MP and Mahadi with the Early Career Professionals Affinity Group and all of the other career stages, AGs. I am so pumped to get to talk to you guys today about mentoring. Okay, so Amber and Mahati, we've definitely all heard about the importance of mentors, but it's not like we can go on Amazon, find a mentor and check out with a mentor in our cart. So I want to start off with a pretty basic, but an important question of how do you get a mentor? Amber, I'm wondering if you could help us out with that. Yes. Oh, man, that is truly just the biggest question that I get all the time is how do I even start, right? I'm a fresh employee. I'm an intern. I've just started a co-op. How do I even navigate this world of mentorship? And I think it's really important that you really start to take inventory or stock, right? Of what is it that I really want to understand, right? Is 
it a technical skill that I'm looking to improve on? Is it business acumen that I really need to have a better grip on, right? Because that's not something that we typically learn in engineering school. But really start to understand, hey, what are the weaknesses that I want to start investigating in? And then the next thing is, hey, what are some folks in my community, whether that's within my suite section, within the group that I am now a part of at work, that have kind of those weaknesses as strengths? And the real part of it too, MP, is just, just approach them, right? I get some cold calls, cold emails all the time of just, hey, this is a weakness of mine. Can you help mentor me through this? And just don't be afraid um, to reach out and ask those people directly. But that is always my first you know, piece of advice to folks is just, hey, what are those things that I'm really looking to get support on and find people that are good in those areas? Awesome. And also want to throw in a plug for the SWE Mentor Network. I know I've found some great connections, both as mentors and mentees through that. So also a great way to meet new people several times throughout the year. So Amber, I know we hear a lot about mentors and then also the sponsors. So what is the difference between a mentor and a sponsor? Yeah, that's a great question. And it seems like there's always a little bit of confusion there too, of what really those differences are. And really to start off by saying like both of those folks, like both categories of people, I kind of consider to be part of my board of directors, right? And it's kind of my, I most recently heard it as the people that I invite to my kitchen table. It's people that I allow into either my personal life, my career journey that are really going to speak. And I underlined bold this, right? Speak truth into my life, whether again, that's from a personal or career perspective. So I kind of categorize mentors and sponsors to be both part of my personal board of directors. And a mentor is someone that I typically kind of label as having a little bit more of an informal relationship with, right? These are folks that, hey, again, I have recognized that I have areas in my career that I is, am notating as weaknesses that I really want to grow in, whether that's to hit a certain role, you know, execute certain technical work. Those are people that I'm really trying to say, hey, let's get you know, let's get our hands dirty here. Let's really start to teach me what are the ropes, right? Of, of whatever it is that I'm seeking to get better at. Sponsors, on the other hand, is I would consider to be just a little bit more formal than that, right? T- sponsors is kind of what I define as people that have senior level, most of the time, sweet C-suite type roles in your organization that you have a connection with that they are able to clearly see the potential that you have in your organization and are willing to basically move mountains for you, right? There are people that are saying, hey, I want this person to stay in our organization. And I want to make sure that if there are barriers to her career path, I'm going to be the person to step in and clear those for her. So for me, you know, I have a VP that I have been in connection with that I consider to be a sponsor, right? I may not meet with her, as frequently as I might meet with my mentor. But it's somebody that I know that I can pick up the phone and say, hey, I'm having a barrier here and I can't get past. Can you help me? And she is willing to put her name on the line in support of me. Does that make sense, Mahadi? Yeah, definitely. I think that's super helpful perspective. I personally love the idea of a board of directors, especially, you know, bringing them to your kitchen table. I know personally in my family, that was where we had all of our big family discussions. And when we had issues, that's where we would talk about it and get advice, whether it was from my parents or my siblings. I'm wondering, Amber, if you can let us know kind of 
what or how many people you should have and what that composition of your board of directors might look like or should look like at different stages of your career? Sure. Yeah. And you know, that board of directors, the people that I bring to my kitchen table, it changes, right? Think about the people that show up to your family Thanksgivings, right? Hopefully you bring in friends, you bring in different family members, and it's all just, hey, what season of life am I in? So for me, my board of directors, the foundational people that will probably always be there are my parents who have been just guiding lights for me for being a female in STEM and who have been my biggest supporters from day one. And then second to them is my spouse, right? The person that is doing that day-to-day life for me and with me and making sure that my career goals along with his are, are we're meeting them together, right? And then again, it's those mentors, those people that maybe have a little bit more, you have a, a little bit more of an informal relationship with, right? They're people who, again, hopefully you have been able to recognize are going to speak truth into your life. And I keep defining that because you don't want people that are on your board of directors whose opinion you don't seek and trust, right? You want them to be people who are going to just bring value, who are going to provide you data points and opinions that, hey, they might be constructive. It may be tough to hear sometimes, but they're going to speak you the truth. And so, you know, early in my career, it really just was kind of my parents and my husband. And so I started bringing on those mentors, right? And early in my career as an engineer, it was, hey, these are the technical skills that I'm not, I would say, proficient in. These are the things that I really feel like I need to grow in. As I started to move into more of a management role, it started moving from, hey, I need to grow in my technical skills to, hey, I need to grow in my emotional intelligence, right? So my mentors kind of morphed and changed. Those people changed seats, right? I got some mentors that, you know, maybe were more technical focused to now mentors that are more managerial and executive focused. And then especially now in the last three years, I've had such the opportunity to become a mom. I now have a mentor at my board of directors that is really there to help me navigate what is really work-life balance. What does that look like for me? And how can I navigate that while being a great mom and spouse, but also be a great, you know, manager, project manager, what have you in my career. So I feel like that composition, the number of people, it's whatever makes you comfortable, right? Again, I just kind of look at it and I kind of take this, I keep calling it inventory, right? I like to take inventory maybe once or twice a year and really sit down, put, you know, analog pen to paper. Hey, here are my goals. This is what I want to achieve. And I know that's so touche with, you know, the first of the year, but it's really true of just, hey, what do I want to achieve? What are the parts of my career that I still need to grow in? Where are the growth opportunities in my organization? And I make sure that the people that are on my board of directors or at my kitchen table are going to help me achieve that. Does that kind of make sense, MP? What do you think? Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, reflecting on my own experiences, that I've definitely seen my board of directors change and evolve. And so I really appreciate being able to hear that it can evolve from technical to managerial and that those kind of happen naturally. So looking forward to that in the future. Yeah, I love that you said that it was so fluid and that people will come in and out based off of what your goals are at that time in life. And I find that for me, being both a mentor as well as a mentee, I find myself comfortable reaching out to mentees to check in with them casually from time to time. But when it comes to reaching out to mentors, I really only turn to them in times of big transitions. And I don't love that. So Amber, how do you maintain those longer term relationships with your board of directors? 
That's a great question. And I'll just be totally honest, Mahadi. I have those people, right, where you have that big red SOS emergency button. It is calling in the SWAT team, right? I totally have those mentors where it's like, hey, we may not talk all the time. And I may not say that you need to come be a part of my board of directors, but I still appreciate your opinions and thoughts. It might be people that I work more day-to-day closely with that are going to be kind of what you're talking about, right? But as far as mentors and how to have kind of long-standing, sustainable relationships with them, I think of one who, her name is Liz. She happens to be the person that hired me into Raytheon almost seven years ago. And from day one, my first engagement with her, I was like, you, you don't know it, but I have picked you to be my mentor for life. And thankfully, she's accepted me as such. And what I love to do with Liz is just set up those quarterly tag ups, right? And maybe that's a conversation to have with your mentor of, hey, what's a good cadence for us where our time can be valuable, but it's not so infrequent that it doesn't bring meaningful work or meaningful output. And so for Liz and I, that's a, you know, at some seasons of life that every other month when there's big transitions and there's things that I specifically want to ask her about. And then other times and kind of the lulls, you know, it's more on a quarterly basis. And what I love to do is being able to provide Liz just kind of a short list, right? In our, you know, half hour, hour chat together. of Hey, here are the three or four things that I'm working through right now and that I'd like to get your feedback on. And so that's how I kind of just bring her in to my board of directors. That's how I establish those longer term relationships is just, hey, having that very honest conversation of what does this look like for us? What's the right cadence? And making sure that me as the mentee come prepared to our conversations with valuable you know, things that I want to talk about. That's super helpful. And I am taking notes as you speak, <laughs> uh, thinking about how I need to be a better mentee. So I really appreciate that perspective. Yeah, you bet. Another thing that I think is super helpful that I've done with some of my mentors is when I'm in a meeting with them, I schedule the next meeting before the current meeting ends. So that way we have something on the calendar, even if it's six months out, it's on the calendar. So in six months, I'll get that notification and or, you know, maybe a week before and it's, oh, I actually can't meet at that time, but I'm still going to check in with my mentor so that we can reschedule. So it forces you to be in contact with them. Um, and I found that to be super helpful. So maybe Mahadi, that's something that you can implement as a mentee in your relationships. Amber, I'm wondering, you know, as I'm approaching graduation and the transition to the professional workforce, I anticipate that these mentor relationships will begin to evolve. And maybe these mentors that I've been scheduling my meetings with no longer will be people that I really want on my board of directors. So, but, you know, I still value what they have to say, but maybe a professor won't be as important to me um, in terms of mentoring when I go into the professional world. So do you have any recommendations as to how to not only maintain my board of directors, but how to grow that board of directors as I go into this new stage of life? Yes. And I think it's, you know, one of the questions, and I, I hear a hint of this MP. So, you know, tell me if I'm totally off my rocker here. But one of the things that I get asked a lot is, you know, Amber, I've had this mentor for X number of years. I'm transitioning into a new field, which sounds like what you're doing in P, right? Moving from, from student to professional, or I'm changing industries. And I just don't think that even though I love and appreciate this mentor and all that they've spoken into my career, I think it's just time to make a change, right? And they're 
not that, like you said, their opinion is not valuable to you, but it may just not be, you know, what I would say relatable, right? Into the next phase of next chapter of your career journey. And that is okay. I think people kind of get scared a little bit of how do we end mentoring relationships, right? And not all mentoring relationships are intended to be forever. And so, you know, sometimes those just are, people will kind of just ghost you, right? And, and not to say sometimes that just happens and that happens naturally, right? People just kind of go apart and things like that. And, you know, that definitely happens. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. But if you're going from, hey, saying I'm meeting with someone once a month, every other month, and I'm making a big change, right? I think about whenever I changed industries and it also included a big geographical move. I'm probably not going to stay in touch very well with those folks. And that's okay to accept. And one of the best things that I've done as a mentee is just kind of have that conclusion meeting, right? I sit with that mentor. Maybe I write them, you know, a handwritten thank you note, right? Maybe I bring a small gift or something like that. And I'm like, hey, I just want to recap. Here are all the wonderful things that you taught me in our time together. I am so appreciative of everything that you've done for me in my career. And I hope that you and I can stay, you know, connected on LinkedIn or stay in touch in other ways. But, you know, I just want to make sure that I really just thank you for all the mentoring that you've done in my career, right? What a great way to end that relationship, right? Both parties are leaving happy and joyful for the time together. And as a mentor, have, you know, being a mentor now and having those types of conversations with mentees, it makes me, it just fills me with pride, right? To see my mentees kind of going off into the next step of their career and telling myself, hey, I was able to support them and they're here and now, and now they're off doing the next big thing and I couldn't be prouder. So um, as far as, you know, kind of making that handoff right between mentors, that's kind of my recommendation there. And then again, just that maintaining and growing. I always tell folks, you know, especially with interns, right? They are there for such a short period of time. And they're like, okay, I'm here for three months. I need to make sure that I have a mentor the first day I walk into the office. Eh, Probably not the best thing, right? So I keep going back to, hey, take that inventory MP as you're going into your next chapter into academia as a professional. Kind of take inventory of, hey, now that I am a professional, what gaps do I still have, right? Is it in my teaching methodologies? Is it in research and development proposals, right? Grant proposals, right? So really taking that inventory for you And then give yourself a little bit of time just to get the lay of the land in your new organization and trying to figure out the people around you. What are their strengths and weaknesses? Who might I want to learn from? I think a lot of folks get really rushed into filling those seats on their personal board of directors that sometimes you might fill them with the wrong people, but you just don't know it yet because you haven't been there long enough. So I say, take the time, get to know your organization, but in parallel, right, taking good inventory of, hey, this is what I want to go learn next. I love that. And I also really appreciate you talking about kind of how to end that mentoring relationship. You were spot on there. That's definitely something that brings me a little bit of anxiety. But I think writing a little note to them is a great idea. And yeah, I I appreciate that a lot. I think that's really difficult for a lot of us. Um, Yes, it's hard. It's like leaving your parents for the first time, right? When you go to college a little (laughs) bit, it's like, oh gosh, I don't want to leave you. But at the same time, like, spread those wings and fly, my friend. It's going to be a great time. Love that. That's awesome. I really love that perspective. And I know we've talked a little bit about how mentoring relationships transition through career stages. 
But of course, there's another dimension to our lives that's not just professional, that also includes personal. And I think we think of mentors and sponsors traditionally in a very professional setting. But how do you blur those lines or maybe cross over? And how do you leverage your mentors for personal decisions, Amber? Yeah, you know, that's a great question. And I've had just the really wonderful opportunity, both with my previous employer and with Raytheon, to make pretty significant geographical moves that were, right, they were big personal decisions, right? I I mentioned that I have a spouse, I have kids. It's not a decision to just pick up your move your family that I, I can just make solely. And so obviously having that, you know, my spouse being on my board of directors is a big advocate, right? He's the first person I'm going to talk to about a lot of those things. But some of the mentors that I have, I really lean on them to help me make those personal decisions. The first thing I look for um, in a mentor to help me make personal decisions or really allow them kind of into the bubble that is my personal life, right? Is I really try to find somebody that might be in the same life stage, right? So I'm married, I have two young kids, right? I want somebody that is in that life stage, but maybe just a couple of years ahead of me, right? Maybe somebody that has kids that are in college wouldn't necessarily have the best advice for me because it might be too long since they were in my shoes, right? So it's like, you want to have somebody that's older and wiser, but that's somebody that can still relate to the life stage that you're in. I hope that makes sense. And so one of the things that I did is when I was taking on this new opportunity with Raytheon. I joined Raytheon as part of a rotational program that was going to move me every eight months for two years. And so that's a big personal decision. And so the first thing I did after talking to, you know, my fiance at the time was call my mentor and just say, Hey, you know, my work-life balance is important to me. I want to make sure that this is not going to be the wrong move for my family for the here and for the future. Right. And so I think having those people that are going to be able to, and luckily for me, right, that same mentor was somebody that I worked with, some a leader in my organization at the time. So he was not only able to help me from a career perspective, but again, those are the select people that I say, hey, I'm going to kind of let you in on my personal life a little bit, right, which is probably the messier side. And, and just being like, hey, where, where do you see this fitting in? Even now, as I move into more managerial roles, future director roles, I actually just had a conversation with my supervisor a little while ago of just, hey, I know this is the career trajectory that I want to be on, right? I want to do big and great things. But hey, what can you tell me some of your personal consequences that you have felt in making those same career moves, right? And just really having those honest conversations of, I want to do these big, great things in my career. But at the same time, I want balance, right? I love being a mom. I love being a spouse. And those things are really important to me. In addition to, you know, doing things like sweep, right? And, and all of the extra fun stuff that I get to do outside of business hours. And so I think those are a couple of instances that I've been using mentors to help me kind of make personal decisions and career decisions. And then, you know, one of the other ones, and if I kind of flip the script a little bit of just personal decisions, not just how they apply to my career, but the timing of having kids, right? That seems like such a weird thing. But I really have been able to utilize my mentors of, hey, how, when is the right timing for this, right? It is, is, and not to say that my job should dictate, you know, when I plan to have kids and things like that. But at the same time, there's really bad times and there's, okay, this would be fine if this happens. 
And so just being able to, like I said, really let those mentors kind of come in to the full circle and let them see both sides is really going to help you make your personal and your career decisions. That's awesome. And I think that's also really powerful that you felt comfortable and vulnerable to have those conversations with people uh, at work and even beyond work. Um, It's definitely something that is important. And I look forward to just keeping that in mind, especially as life goes on and, and the next few years happen. Yeah. And, you know, Mahadi, you just said a word that, you know, we haven't talked a lot about in this podcast so far, which is vulnerability. And, you know, I mentioned kind of the definition of a mentor is really them being able to speak truth to you, right? It's somebody whose opinion that you trust. And I just, I keep reiterating all of that because that's really what I feel like is the definition of that. But from a mentee perspective, right? Our job when we're coming to our mentors is just what you described, right? It's that vulnerability. Because if you're not able to clearly talk about, you know, what's going on, whether that's at career, whether it's at home, whatever it is, whatever that mentor is for you in your life, they're not going to be able to give you the best advice, right? And so I think sometimes, you know, I think about one mentee that I had several years ago, who they kind of just felt like, and we ended up getting to kind of the bottom of this, right? But they felt like they had to put almost on like a facade, right? Of like, oh, everything's great. Everything's fine. I love everything. And meanwhile, they're having like a horrible time in their their day-to-day job. And so it's like, I so I just say all that to say, you just, you hit a button there that I really wanted to press on, which is just, hey, just bring your whole self to that mentor. If you've chosen them to be that person in your board of directors at your kitchen table, bring your whole self to them so that they can really give you just strong advice for whatever it is that's going on. I also really appreciate all of that. I think I struggle maybe similarly to Mahati of kind of opening up my personal life to mentors, especially when it involves something that's related for me to my research or to who I'm working with. Because that is that is hard to do. And um, you know, I've always been told, like, be careful who you tell things to, you never know what's going to come back to you. So I'm kind of wondering along that line, either Mahadi or Amber, if you've had any experience with trying to set those boundaries of what you're willing to share as a mentor or as a mentee, and if that's worked for you, or, or maybe some things you would have changed to set boundaries regarding, you know, personal relationships with a mentor. Man, MP, that's a good question. Mahadi, do you have any initial thoughts on that? I think from my perspective, to your point, MP, I do struggle with opening up fully to my mentors. But when it comes to mentees, I do find that projecting authenticity, vulnerability, and transparency is key. And really ensuring that they feel like I am relating to them. And so I find that I'm more comfortable in those mentor-mentee relationships where I'm the mentor in terms of sharing a little bit more. But I would be curious to hear from your perspective, Amber, how you've been able to channel that on both sides, both as a mentee as well as as a mentor. Yeah, no, and it is, right? It, you know, in part of this too, just real frank conversation, right? Of like, I think from a professional perspective, we're starting to really get into this culture. And I've been seeing it since I've started working even over the last seven to nine years of just, hey, you know, there should be almost this division, right? Like church and state, right? Work and home. And I think if anybody pays attention to Brene Brown, I think she's just like totally a pioneer in empathetic workplaces. 
and bringing your whole self to work. And, you know, I think it's really tough to have the meaningful conversations when you're not bringing your whole self, but I totally get it, right? Our workplace culture, a lot of times is not promoting that and it's tough. And so I would say the first thing is, is, and I kind of hit on it at a minute ago is don't be in a rush, right? Don't be in a rush to pick the person that you want to mentor you. Make sure that you find that this person is trustworthy. One of the things that I, as a mentee, when I decided, yes, I think this person is somebody that is going to bring value to me in my career. It's somebody whose opinions that I can trust. And it's somebody that I know and feel that I can speak freely with, right? And one of the very first things that I do when I establish that relationship is just, hey, you know, I'm going to share things with you that I'm probably not going to share with other people. Maybe I won't even share them with my supervisor, right? And I want to make sure that, you know, Vegas rules, right? What we talk about in the four walls of your office stays here and it stays between us. Because sometimes, yeah, I totally vent about my, you know, I totally vent about my coworkers or something like that. And we all might be sharing in the same circles, right? But sometimes you just got to get some of that stuff off your chest. Or when it comes to sharing stuff in your personal life, right? Again, that workplace culture that we live in right now is just so anti that. So it's hard and it really does bring you to a vulnerable place. So, and I would say if you find that the mentor that you have has broken those boundaries, you know, is not, is starting to share things outside of your conversations about your personal life or whatever it is that you've set bounds around. Hey, that's a real quick way to end that relationship and just be bold in that, right? There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, my confidentiality is broken here. And, you know, I appreciate the time and just walking away. So yeah, I would say from a mentee perspective, it's really just being mindful of who you're choosing as your mentor. It's more than just, hey, are they a vice president? Hey, have they done like really cool things in their career? But somebody who's just, a, you know, a say this so cliche, a good person, right? Somebody that's going to be your secret keeper in some instances. And there are some mentors that I've had in the past where, no, I I didn't bring my personal life. It was very technical in nature. And it was, you know, these are skills that I want to learn kind of real quick, you know, mentoring relationships in the the grand scheme of time. And then there's others, right, where, you know, I I mentioned Liz, my, my mentor, she knows everything about my personal life and my and my work life. And she's somebody who I trust wholeheartedly to share things with. So just be upfront, right, is, is my recommendation from either side as a mentor, right? Or let me rephrase, when a mentee as a mentee, if I hear that my mentor says, hey, your secrets are safe with me, man, how secure do I feel in that relationship, right? That's wonderful. So I encourage you as a mentor to set those boundaries, even for your mentee, we all know how hard it is. And then as a mentee, just going in saying, Hey, I might talk about things that are kind of hard for me to talk about. I hope that you'll keep that between us. What do you think about that? MP? I think that's great. I think setting those boundaries at the start is probably the best way of doing it. And I think that's also something I can implement even with mentors that I've had for years before I want to share something with them. I think it's always a good reminder And if they don't want to hear that, then they'll let me know and I can share it with a different mentor. So I think that's really great advice and probably a great reminder for a lot of us. So yeah, thank you. Yeah. And I love that it's an element of intentionality because mentors are not just a temporary fixture. They are continually evolving and mentoring is undoubtedly going to be a permanent part of all of our lives with various mentors, obviously, serving in different capacities. 
So I like that you touched on that piece of trust and vulnerability and ensuring that 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 those boundaries are maintained throughout the course of the relationship. Yeah, you bet. But yeah, to really sum up, you know, thank you so, so much for the incredible and invaluable perspectives, Amber. I know MP and I learned a lot from you, and I'm sure our listeners have also learned a lot about mentorship, sponsorship, and really creating that authentic personal board of directors. And to our listeners, the SWE Early Career Professionals Affinity Group continually organizes events like these, both virtual as well as in person, discussing an array of topics to aid you in your transition from college to career and through your first 10 years of your career as well. So if you are interested in joining the ECP AG and continuing to stay plugged in, please follow our page on LinkedIn, opt in to our SWE mailing list, or shoot us an email at ECP underscore AG at SWE.org. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Diverse. Please don't forget to subscribe and share this episode with your social network. You can keep up to date with our podcast on Instagram at SWE Diverse Podcast and on our blog, altogether at altogether.swe.org.